I'd like to invite the rest of you to uh, open your Bibles to John chapter 1, but um, before we go there particularly, I want to ask, how many of you own a dictionary? Almost everyone has a dictionary, right? You may even have a dictionary in more than one language. And what do you use a dictionary for? Definitions. Look up words. Find out what they mean, right? Okay. Uh, well, we have some words that I want you to think about this morning. Um, a, a word is supposed to bring something to mind. A good word, a choice word, will bring to your mind the same thing that's in my mind. If I say it to you, we'll be thinking the same thing. So uh, we put some words up here, and we want you to think about the words, and then see what image comes to your mind, and then see if the images that come up uh, are the ones that you thought about. Let's uh, do that before we get started. So how many of you, when you see the word light, thought of Jesus? <laughs> Did you? <laughs> okay. Um, you know, different words call different things to mind. Did you notice the wording in the first word? Uh, what do you think of when you hear the word Sunday? Sunday. 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 <laughs> Worship. It doesn't matter how you say it, unless you give some context, it would either call to mind worship or whatever, or it would call to mind that uh, bowl of ice cream with the hot fudge on it, you know. Uh, you have to see that word. If there's no context, you have to see it in order to make sense out of it. And um, how many of you think of Billy Graham as a prophet? I, I used to think that of him. I, well, I still do, actually. But uh, back in what we might say was his prime as he was preaching crusades across America in the 60s and 70s, I thought of him as a prophet to the United States. It seemed like he was um, trying to wake us up and bring us uh, the Word of God. And so, and, and in that picture with his... Yeah, sometimes he wouldn't get a haircut on time, just, just like me. And, uh, you know, and he, and he had that uh, fist up the way he would hold it. And I thought, wow, that, that kind of looks like a prophet. Well, a good word, as I said at the beginning, is... You know, they're just letters on a page. In fact, if they're not English, say perhaps Arabic or Chinese or something like that, uh, they, they don't even look like words to us because they're not in an alphabet that's familiar. In fact, the Chinese actually don't have an alphabet. They have uh, word symbols that are based of images that, that bring together the concept. And so uh, different languages use different means. But when you think about it, it's just marks that we make on a page. Those marks uh, to us have a certain phonetic way that we know how to pronounce them. If you see the word C-A-T, you don't say dog you think cat, because we have an idea of how to pronounce it. And a, a, a really good word is a word that will bring to your imagination or to your mind the same thing that I have in my mind. So if we're communicating well, 
when I'm speaking, you're thinking the same thing. And when you're speaking, I'm thinking the same thing. Um, and I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of times when you have trouble communicating, and you say, man, we are not on the same page. Sometimes you're not in the same dictionary. <laughs> you know, you're, you're speaking foreign languages to each other. And uh, what, what you mean is, I'm saying something and you're hearing something different. And, and you're saying it back and I'm hearing something different. And we're not connecting. We're not communicating. And one of the reasons that happens is context, but it also has to do with history. And it has to do with preconceived notions and all kinds of, we call it baggage that you bring to the table, you know. And I'm using figurative language now, uh, am I not? Baggage. I'm not talking about things you carry to, to the airport. I'm talking about stuff in your life. And when I say bring to the table, you, well, you may not be sitting at a table when you're bringing your baggage around. <laughs> you know, we use all kinds of different ways of saying things. But the idea of a word is a way of communication. I need some sound that I can make that you will hear. And your mind will form the same image that my mind has. Now, in John's Gospel, he begins by starting out, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Or through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power or authority to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John begins his gospel with what is undoubtedly one of the most beautiful poetic portions in all of Scripture. Um, in fact, some scholars think that this was an, a, a hymn that was sung in the early church. Uh, I, I don't quite think so, because... I believe it's so much like John. I believe John wrote this. It may have become a hymn, but I believe he wrote it. And John wrote it in his um, unmistakable, very simple style. Uh, many uh, scholars also believe that John did not know the Greek language well. It may have been that he knew it better than they give him credit for and, and chose uh, the words that he did uh, with uh, a great deal of intelligence. But uh, John's language is simple. 
His words are clear and to the point. He doesn't use 50 cent terms. Uh, you get to Paul in Romans, you get to the writer of Hebrews, they use different kinds of words and sentences. But John uh, puts things out there very simply. But don't underestimate the depth of the thoughts and the theology and how profound what he is saying really is. And as he begins his gospel, he refers to Jesus Christ as the Word. In Greek, the word is logos or lagos, as some people say. L-O-G-O-S is how we would spell it in English. And the concept of logos, the, the perfect word, meant one thing to the Hellenistic Greeks, it meant something else to the Jews, but uh, philosophically the idea was if there was a way to communicate the meaning of life, if there was a way to explain the universe, if there was a way to wrap it all up together and, and make sense of it all, that way would be a perfect word, uh, the logos. It would be the the explanation, the, the encapsulation of everything that has existence, and it would give definition and meaning. Whether or not John had any of that in mind, the illusion is clear that he chose Logos to explain to us that when God wanted to communicate himself, remember what I said a good word was? When I speak it, you think what I'm thinking. How does God speak in a way that what will come to your mind is who He is? How does He communicate Himself in a way that you cannot miss the point? What word does He use that you can see that would explain His nature? and His character, and His compassion, and His anger? What would explain His attitude towards people? How would God live, and eat, and sleep, and walk, and talk, and how would He feel if you could walk beside Him? How does God communicate that? To us? And the answer is through the Word that He chose. The Word who is Jesus. When God wanted to speak His own life into this world, to speak the understanding of His nature and His character, He chose Jesus to be the representative. So clearly, in fact, that uh, Jesus said to his disciples, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. To observe me, to walk with me, to experience me is the same as seeing and experiencing God. For we are the same. I, I only do and I only say what I hear the Father speaking and I communicate it to you, my life is the living flesh and blood reality of the nature of God. 
So to see me is to see God. John, in these first few verses, leaves us no question uh, about the nature of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Let's think about that first verse just for a moment. In the beginning was the Word. What beginning? Well, any beginning you can think of. In fact, the definite article, the, the beginning, that definite article does not occur in the original Greek language. It simply says, in beginning. That doesn't translate well, so our translators helped us out by adding the article. But actually, John said, in beginning. What beginning? Any beginning. Pick a beginning. Pick the one you want. Pick the beginning of the human race. Pick the beginning of the world. Pick the beginning of the universe. Go back as far as you can. Pick the creation of the angels. Pick a beginning. In beginning, the Word was already there. In fact, the verb that he uses, pardon me for dissecting this so minutely, but the verb that he uses uh, underscores continuous action in the past time. What he's really saying is, pick a beginning, and the Word was already being there. Had been there. Was existing there. You can't think of a time when the Word was not. Because He was always being, no matter how far you go back. And then he says, the Word was face to face with God. That means there was communion, there was intimacy, there was equality. You know, when you say, I stand face to face with someone, I stand toe to toe, nose to nose, eye to eye, you're not just talking about your height. You're talking about your rank. You're talking about the equality that exists among you. And when John says the word was Face to face with God, with the Father. He means that the Son and the Father are equal in stature, equal in intimacy, equal. They can face each other on level ground. And then, if there's any doubt remaining, he very clearly says, and the Word was God. The Word has always been God. Again, that verb is... Continuous action. The Word has always been God. Now then, he moves on and he says, He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. What does that leave out? Anything? Are we missing something? All things were made by Him. Oh, I'm sorry, maybe I didn't say that clearly. Let me, let me rephrase it. Without Him, nothing has come into being that was made. What is He saying? Every created thing was created through Jesus Christ, who is the Word. We'll see that very clearly as we move through the chapter, not all this week. We have next week to go. But when he says that, he makes it very clear that Jesus Christ is not created. He is eternally existing as God. 
and he is not created. He is not made. Uh, some years ago, um, I was talking along these lines, and someone said, you mean um, Jesus existed before he was born in Bethlehem? And I was like, wow. I've been saying this a long time. Let me say it very clearly. <laughs> Jesus existed forever. And he exists forever. He is not created. Yes, he took on a human body for the first time in Bethlehem. Actually, for the first time somewhere up in Nazareth or wherever he was when Mary conceived. But that's another story. Um, but, uh, but Jesus, the person, the eternal Christ, has always existed. And everything that, this, that has come into being in this universe came through His creative power. He is the Creator God, the Almighty, who is equal with the Father in every respect, abiding face to face with Him in all eternity. John wants to make it absolutely clear in our minds that he is talking about this One who is coming, who has been in the presence of the Father, equal as God Himself throughout all of eternity. There can be no question in our minds about the New Testament identification of Jesus Christ. But John, I believe, chooses the term logos, or word, to communicate this to us because he wants us to know that God is going to speak Jesus into the world. He is going to come into human history in a way that we can see Him and touch Him and hear Him and observe Him. And when we do so, we will see the nature and character of God. John, as he wrote his first letter, and I, I believe it was back to the church at Ephesus, begins his first letter, John, 1 John 1 and following. What was from beginning... What we have seen with our eyes, and that image still lingers in our minds. What we have heard with our ears, and the sound of His voice still echoes in the recesses of our memory. What we have touched and handled, this one who leaned on Jesus at the Last Supper. Concerning the word of life, we testify to you. He is saying, I touched Him, I heard Him, I saw Him, I experienced Him in the flesh, up close and personal, and He is the one about whom I speak. This Word of God, who has revealed to me and caused me to form an image in my mind of the character and the person of God Himself, this one, Jesus and he says, and in him was life, and the life was the light of men. You know, when Genesis uh, chapter 1, we start the whole Bible, uh, it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form, and it was empty. And the Spirit of God was brooding upon the face of the deep of the, of the waters. And God said, let there be light. 
If you have paid close attention to the creative order, light occurred before the sun. And uh, that light, I believe, was God bringing into uh, observation, bringing into the universe His own light, His own glory, His own majesty. And when He said, let there be light, uh, He was speaking a word. And God said, let there be light. I believe He spoke Jesus. And Jesus, as the Creator, uh, it, through the power of the Holy Spirit, effectively began to bring the universe and the worlds into existence. Psalm 19, 119, verse 105 says, Lord, Your Word is a light unto my path, a lamp unto my path, and a light unto my feet. It is Your Word, Lord, that illuminates my way. Now, the psalmist is speaking of the, the Old Testament Scriptures, of course. But they are also the revelation of God. And what he is saying to us is, when God speaks, light comes. We can see. How, how many of you uh, have ever tried walking around in the dark? Or you do walk around in the dark. <laughs> I walk around in the dark. If I get up in the middle of the night, I usually don't turn any lights on. Uh, it's, it's bad news if someone moves furniture or leaves something on the floor that uh, I didn't happen to notice the night before because I'll trip. Um, in fact, right now we have some uh, Christmas presents in our room. Uh, you know, for the grandkids, and they're they're starting to form a pile, and I'm going to have to move them over a little bit. <laughs> they're, they're in my way. Um, you know, used to I would I would hike in in the woods when you're out in the woods at night, Boy Scout campouts or whatever, and then later on when I was hiking Appalachian Trail and areas uh, up in uh, you know East Tennessee, North Carolina, whatever can't have a flashlight on all the time and so if the sun goes down and it's dark and it really gets dark on the shady side of the mountain uh, you can't see much you, you if the ground's uneven and there's branches sticking into the path you're going to run into them you can't see but the entrance of God's word brings light it's a light uh, to our feet and a lamp to our path and John tells us that Jesus Christ and His life is the light of men. He is the one who, uh, Paul says, has brought life and immortality to light through the Gospel. It is through the good news of His atonement and of His advent, His coming and His death and His resurrection, that we have life and that we have light and that we can see. And John paints a very clear picture for us here. He says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man who came from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so all that might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, the world was made through him. And the world did not know Him. He came to His own, and those who were His own did not receive Him. Matthew and Luke put it another way, quoting Isaiah, they say, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. 
And those who lived in the shadow of death, upon them a light has dawned. Can you imagine what it would be like to lose your eyesight, to become blind? You know, for people who lose their vision after they have been sighted, after they have had it for a while, they have to learn a new way of functioning. But at one time, they were able to see and interpret the world in ways that they had come to identify. So if a person who had been sighted for many years, say, had an accident and lost their vision, and in their darkness, they were trying to figure out what's this thing in front of me. And as they feel, feel of it and examine it, it has the shape, the flat seat with the slight curve and a back, and it has legs. And they can think, well, that's a chair. I know what that is. That's a chair. But think about a person who has never had sight, that was born blind. What would they think? Now, they might go through the same exercise, but it's like, what does this mean? And someone can say to them, well, that's a chair. Oh, so a chair feels rough, it's small, it's about this high, and it has smooth kind of tubes. That's a chair. What happens if they encounter a recliner? It's not like this. Or a kitchen chair with a tall back. Well, what's that? That's a chair. Well, if that's a chair and that's a chair and that's a chair... That doesn't make any sense. You see the problem when you can't see that you really can't get a good idea of what's in your environment. It takes a good long while for things to begin to make sense. And even then, no one knows for sure what images are forming in the mind of someone who has no sight. The Scripture says that all people dwell in darkness. They sit in darkness, they live in darkness, they move in darkness, they have no ability to see. That is a grand metaphoric way of saying to us, that they do not have a true vision and understanding of life. They have interpreted it in the darkness. They have imagined it in ways that are not accurate. And based on what they imagine, they begin to form goals and ideas about what will bring satisfaction, what will make them happy, what will give meaning to their life. And the Scripture paints a picture 
of people who in the darkness are trying to make sense out of life and they're choosing the wrong goals. They're committing to the wrong path. And sometimes they don't see the danger or the drop-offs or the pitfalls and, and, they're, and they're stumbling around. And as a consequence, they're, they're getting banged up in life. It's not going well. Uh, and they've picked a path that only makes sense if you can't see the truth. And Jesus Christ comes into this world as light. And He illuminates the darkness. Actually, the light drives the darkness away, doesn't it? It illuminates what's really there. And all of a sudden, uh, we can see, wow, if, if I'm in the dark and I'm trying to, to go that direction, I, you know, I might stumble into this seat and just make it around there and then I stumble into this one and how do I get over there? But as soon as the light comes on, it's like, there's an aisle there. I can just walk straight back and turn left. That makes sense. People have understanding when light comes. They can begin to see and, and to, to comprehend what makes sense. The object's And the goals and the values of life begin to take on new meaning. They begin to form an accurate picture of what is real and what is true. We were talking the other evening at the dinner table and uh, just sitting around chatting afterwards. And uh, somehow the conversation, the the, uh, fellow that had, uh, had such a bumper crop, you remember in the scriptures what he said? Wow, you have done well this year. You've really made a profit. Look at all these corn and this corn and these beans and look at all this uh, harvest. This is tremendous. I'm going to tear my barns down. I'm going to build bigger barns and I'm going to lay up great stores and I am going to sit back and I've been waiting for this. This is my retirement moment. I am going to kick kick back and take it easy and enjoy myself and have all the things I always wanted to have. And Jesus says, the voice of God comes to him, you fool, tonight you're going to die. And it's like, uh uh-oh, I wasn't ready for that. I'm not ready to go. I haven't prepared for eternity. That's never entered my mind. I've been working For the day I could kick back and take it easy. And so he finds himself at a loss. And the Bible has that word for those who pursue goals in the darkness. They're called fools. Because they don't know where they're going. And they don't know what life means. And their value system is all turned upside down. Jesus is the one whose life coming into the world brings light. He brings illumination. He opens the eyes. But the Scripture says that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You know, what happens when you're laying in bed asleep? Maybe you're laying on your back and you're facing the ceiling, but your eyes are closed and somebody comes in and pops on the room light. 
the overhead, you know, and it's like glaring right in your eyes. How do you, how do you react to that? I'm photophobic on a good day. If I'm in the darkness and somebody turns the light on in my eyes, it's like, ah, turn that off. Oh, that was interesting. <laughs> my microphone did a strange thing. You know, it's like, turn the light off. I can't see. Well, I can't see because it's blinding me. It takes me a good while to get acclimated. That's why I walk around at night in the dark. It takes me a good long while to get acclimated. I don't like light in my eyes like that. It's blinding. And the scripture says that the light began to shine in the darkness and men were not really drawn by it initially. They loved the darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. It was blinding. But eventually as it began to take shape and form and they began to see, there opened up for them an understanding. They that sat in darkness have seen a great light. The light begins to shine in the darkness and John says the darkness could not understand it initially, nor overpower it. That word has both of those uh, meanings implied in it. But it was that they could neither extinguish it nor comprehend it. And yet, he came as a stranger into the world that he had made, but his own people, his own people rejected him. And yet, as many as received him, to them he gave the authority To become a child of God, even to those who believe on His name. Think with me a moment. Have you clearly seen the light? Has the light come into your life? You know, one of the things that happens when the light begins to shine is we see our own darkness. The Scripture says that the heart of man is very dark. It's deceitful. We lie to ourselves. I I have found in my observation of life that people who are the most effective liars are the ones that have convinced themselves of a lie. Because they speak as though it were true. And yet, the Scripture says that our hearts are so dark and so deceitful that we deceive ourselves... We can't even figure ourselves out. We need someone to shine a light and show us what's there. And it's not very pretty. It's really very ugly. Every one of us. We've all sinned. We've all gone our own way. We've, we've all turned aside. But God has placed on His Son, Jesus Christ, the iniquity of every one of us. And so to anyone who sees the light and rather than running is coming toward it, who will believe in Him, in Jesus Christ, who will receive Him and welcome the light into their life. Have you done that? Have you welcomed the light? Lord, expose my darkness. Expose my weakness. Expose my defense mechanisms. Expose my manipulation. Expose... My evil imaginations expose my bad motives. Lord, shine the light into my life. David prayed that prayer. Lord, search me and search my heart and know my ways, O God, and see if there's anything in me that's deceitful. Examine me. I want to know the truth. Do you want to know the truth? 
Do you want to see inside of your heart and in your soul? Do you want the illuminating light of God to flood you with reality? Because Jesus makes an amazing promise. He says, you will know the truth. And that truth will set you free. He wasn't only talking about himself. He was talking about you. When you see yourself as you really are, there's liberating blessing in that. Oh God, I am broken and I need to be fixed. Will you fix me? To as many as received him, I welcome the light. To them he gave the, the, the authority, the right, the privilege to become children of God. We can be reconciled with the Father. We can come home to Him. We can be kinship with Jesus Christ. We can join the family of God and have that intimacy with Him. Not the estrangement of, of a sinner under judgment, but the, the welcoming home of a child who has come back to the Father's house. Have you welcomed the light? Have you come back to the light? Have you received and believed in Jesus Christ? Next week, as we look at verse 14 and following, we're going to be uh, understanding or trying to understand a little more of His appearance on earth as a human being. But we need to be very clear about who He is right now. We need to understand that the eternal God is about to make His presence known in human form. And He is the Creator, Maker, and the light and life of the universe. Father, thank You for Your Word to us this morning. Open our eyes that we can see. Give us clear understanding. Expose our own dark places. Search us out, O oh God. We long to be children of light. We long to be a child of God. Bring us into the light, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen.